Welcome to the City Church Podcast. We hope that you will be abundantly blessed by this message. If you would like to find out more about the city, please log on to our website, www.thecity.sg. Uh, I want to speak on the invitations of God. There's something very special about invitations, right? Invitations make us feel um, special. It makes us feel wanted. It makes us feel accepted, part of the circle. Uh, it, it gives us access to people and things and places that we don't normally have access to, right? So like a special movie pass or a mo- movie preview. Be- being invited to like a wedding means that you meant something to the couple. So it, made, it, made you, it makes us feel special and it makes us feel accepted and be part of the group. Invitations are powerful. In fact, the whole book of the Bible, right, uh, are, are invitations from God. And I just want to just read off and just like give you a, a few invitations that that um, you might have picked out when you read the Bible. Like Andrew invited Peter to meet Jesus. Okay, Philip invited Nathaniel to meet Jesus. It was said that Nathaniel might be Bartholomew, who's one of the disciples later. Uh, the Samaritan woman invited her neighbors her village to come and, and see Jesus. Matthew gave a feast to introduce Jesus to his family and friends. Cornelius, a centurion in the Italian regiment, invited his family also to come and hear Peter preach about Jesus. And so we see the power of invitations, that, the, that invitations have the power to change lives, change cities, towns, and even nations. And so today, from the main scriptures, there are many, there are too many. Um, when I was like trying to research for and prepare this message, there were so many um, good stuff. I had came up with so much content, right, that it could be like a sermon series for every other point. So I'm trying to condense everything. So uh, my, don't mind me if I just ramble a bit, okay, and just try to give you as much as possible. And the main scriptures that we want to look on today, if you can... It's from John 15, 4 to 5. And this is just one of, one of the, the um, scriptures that I want to touch on. There are so many. Every, if you just look through the Bible, there are so many invitations from God. And, and just the word invitation, just the phrase invitations from God uh, draws so many uh, examples and illustrations. And there's so much to tap into. But today, I just want to focus on, on these two verses. And from these two verses, I just want to expound a bit and give you um, several invitations from God that I feel uh, that He wants to just give us today. So in John 15, 4-5, it says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And we see in the first part of verse 4, it says, Abide in me. And I in you. And here we see an invitation to be with Him, to be with God. We see God giving us an invitation to come and be with Him, to abide in Him and as He abides in us. You know, you might think that if you are a Christian, that oh, automatically we are abiding in Him, right? Theologically, that's true. But in order for us to be communicating together, it needs intentionality to, for us to commune and to stay together. Rudy and I have dated for seven years. We, to this year, we just celebrated our ninth anniversary. So we've been together for 16 years. Uh, and I got permission from him to share this. In, we, we are both very individual, independent uh, people. So like I said, he came to Singapore since he was 12 years old. And so he has always led like, individual lives. For me, I have a very close-knit family, but I have a lot of freedom. Like At 12 years old, my curfew was 12 o'clock. And so we grew up very individualistic, and uh, we were involved in ministries all the time. After our third year, cracks started to show. 
And then for at one point, I will still remember in September, I gave him a call and I said, Rudy, do you know that we haven't met up in two, two plus three months already? Because I, I, I was just thinking about it and I realised that all our meetups together is always ministry-based um, in our cell groups or like some leaders meeting. We didn't really meet up separately to be lovers, to be, to be uh, like boyfriend and girlfriend. No dating time, no like spending time to talk, no going out to cafes. That term cafe not popular. Kopitiam, you know, and we're S11. That was my time. Bring it back. So I just realised that we didn't really spend like quality time with one another, we just spend time with each other in the midst of other people. And so cracks start to show. And so I, I decided, okay, that, since we are so happy, like, and we didn't even notice that, that difference of being apart, right? I wanted to break up. I agreed to do like, okay, let's work it out in this one year, okay? Like, you know, three to four years spent, and let's try to work it out. And, and if we cannot, then never mind. But of course it worked out, and then we got married. But then when we got married, Oh, you think that, oh, you'll be together and then yes, everything is all merged together. No. Like for the first three years of our marriage, it's the same. I would come home and then he's not around and I'm like, eh, where did he go? And then I realised he's with his friends. He will come home and like, where did I go? Oh, I have a church meeting with my leaders. And we, we weren't really communicating and being together even though we were married. And so being a Christian doesn't mean that you are automatically being intentional in your abiding in God. It takes intentionally. In fact, in Revelation, we see, uh, we see John writing uh, about the church and he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and him with me. You see, this wasn't written to non-believers. This, this is a verse that we use for evangelistic outreaches to the unsafe. You know, and it's a good visual illustration to open the door and give God access to your life. But you must understand that this was written to a church to the church of Laodicea. And you know, the Bible scholars, when they were assembling all these um, scriptures, they actually labeled, so under every letter, there's a heading. And in this heading of this is the lukewarm church. These are believers who are complacent with their walk, not living out their faith. You see, personal salvation is not an occasional rendezvous with God. Pardon my harsh words, but, but a relationship with God is not a fling. It's like when you want Him, then you summon Him. Christianity is not meant to have an off button. Christianity is not just a hobby. It's a lifelong, it's an eternity-long commitment. It's an actual dwelling of God. And we must be intentional in wanting for Him to abide in us and, and we abide in Him. You know, there's this small little book that, that I bought last time when I was a, a youth, a young person in, in Cornerstone. And it's this thin, thin little small booklet. But it took me, like until now, Barely, barely scratch the surface of what that book says. It's called Practice the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. Go check it out. It will change your life forever. Until now, barely scratch the surface. But I just want to read to you one quote, just one section, an extract of, of what he says about practicing the presence of God. He does not ask much of us, merely a thought of him from time to time, a little act of adoration, sometimes to ask for his grace, sometimes to offer him your sufferings, at other times to thank him for the graces, past and present, he has bestowed on you. In the midst of your troubles, to take solace in him as often as you can, lift up your heart to him during your meals and in the company. The least little remembrance will always be the most pleasing to him. One need not cry out very loudly. He is nearer to us than we think. Are we keenly aware of his presence and his influence in our lives. What is influencing our lives? What, what are we abiding in? What's influencing our, our approach to life? 
our decision-making, our way of thinking. I like this quote that Bill Johnson said where uh, he said that any area of a life that, that, has, that has no hope is under the influence of a lie. Any area of your life that has no hope, where you sense despair, hopelessness, where there, where there is darkness, is under the influence of a lie. What is, what is your influence? What is the presence that you're most aware of in your life? You see, God is inviting us to a life with Him. What is it like to be living with Him? What is it like to, have, uh, uh, to live in His environment, in His atmosphere? You see, every home has an atmosphere, right? Some homes are filled with fear and anger. And when you step into that, you, don't, you, don't, you feel that sense of, of restlessness. Some homes are cold and distant. You know that the, nobody spends time at home. There are some homes that are filled with fun and laughter, love and belief. And every home has an atmosphere. And he's, he's inviting us today to come into his home, to live within his atmosphere, to live in his realm, and to live under, uh, under his covering, under the shadow of his wings. The Bible gives us a description of what it is to live without him. In Isaiah, it says the wicked are like troubled sea. It cannot rest. The waters cast up mire and dirt. Deuteronomy tells us in the morning you shall say, all that it was evening. And in the evening you say, all that it was morning. There is a restlessness. There is a restlessness. To live without him is restlessness. It's, it's constant struggle. The psalmist tells us that to live with him, that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And his right hand are pleasures forevermore. And he gives an invitation to all who is willing. We all know this uh, very common verse in Matthew. And it says, come to me all who labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for yourselves. So my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Fantastic scripture. But what I love about this scripture is the message translation. It says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Burnt out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me. You'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. What a nice phrase. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. You know, there was this time in our church in the early days when we were still at uh, 50 Macpherson, our first building. Uh, the church went through this whole, what I would term, the father heart period. So it was a period of, it, 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 was, it was transformational. Yeah, it was because we, we were past like the pioneering, pioneering and starting stage and we were just like taking off and getting and tracking momentum. And uh, we have a lot of people who were from the Father Heart Movement like internationally and so they came and then they shared with us their heart and about the orphan spirit, the spirit of adoption, the, the, the heart of the father for, for, his, for his children. And it was great, you know. And so I saw like, wow, Jason was like just... In it, you know, you know, he's just in it. Every time I cry, every time, oh, yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah, and, and, and then the, the young people uh, in our then youth ministry, 180, God just hit them and many of them were transformed. And, and you can, every altar call, it's like, seriously, no matter what, who, who speaks what, it was a great time to preach because they would just cry and be, and be kneeling on the floor and just being shocked by God's presence and laughing and crying and crying and laughing. Great time to be a preacher then. Uh, but, but people were going through this. And then I saw Pastor Daniel when we had like the, the head guy, you know, for Father Heart Movement came and speak to us. And Pastor Daniel was just on the stage there, leaning on his bosom and like John on Jesus, and just crying and 
crying, you know, and then and then being like, you know, being healed. And, and at that point, at that in that period, which was a few months, right, I seriously felt nothing. I felt nothing, and I didn't want to feel nothing. I was genuinely asking God, do I don't get it? <laughs> like, I know what they are saying. Like all these all these preachers, and I've been hearing messages on that, and it, it was a big topic, you know, like worldwide during that. And I keep thinking, do I really not understand? Like, so I justify, right? Maybe I don't have father heart issues because I have a very good representation of an earthly father. So hmm, maybe I don't have. I'm very secure. I'm actually quite confident. I don't have to go through healing. But yet inside the depths of my spirit, I know like, hey, there is a barrier. There's something that's blocking me from receiving this revelation. There's something that's blocking me from, from being free in, in knowing the Father, like how I see my friends know the Father. And I, I, was, I struggled. Can I be honest? I was burnt out. Burnt out on religion. <laughs> Definitely me. Tired, yes. I remember during that time, I even asked Pastor Daniel permission not to go to life group because I was so tired. And I couldn't. I just cannot function socially. And so at that point, I keep thinking, that's what I need. I need the Father. I need to, I need to be renewed in my heart and my paradigm of God the Father. But I just wasn't feeling anything. And I keep thinking to myself, I understand what they're saying. Why, why can't it get from here to here? What is, what is, what is blocking me? You know? and, and so every time uh, when there's an Okoto call given and, I see, and people are manifesting, I'll be over there like, oh God, I want, to, I want to feel it. 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 Whatever that you're doing to them, do it for me. Whatever you're showing them, show me, show me, show me. Like, there's so much struggle that is going on. I keep doing that. Every single time I see my friends like, manifesting the, the presence of God in certain ways. And one fine day during church service, as I was like, God, show me what is it, what is it? What is it? Just let me know. Just let me know. I just want to know. I just want to feel. It like bypass my head. <laughs> I just want to know. I just want to know. And then God said this very gently. He said, you're more eager to know the revelations than to know me. And I was like, but God, I want to know your revelations so that I can know you. It is true. The revelation so that I can get to know you. He no. Is that? And, you know, and God is just persistent. And he went, no. You want to know my revelations because you want to be part of the revelations knowing group. I'm serious. The Revelations Knowing Group. And I, and, I, and I realized that in my zealousness to not want to be religious and to break away from religion, I am still trapped and stuck in the cycle of fake religion. Of just wanting to be part of the religion, the Revelation Knowing uh, Group so that I can be one of those that say, you know, I, well, God revealed His heart to me about the, fa the Father's Heart Movement. Changed my life. And I wasn't after him who revealed his heart to those people. And, and from then on, I changed the way I pray. Instead of, God, I want to know, I want to know, show me, show me, whatever you do for them, do for me, whatever they feel, I want to feel. I just go, it doesn't matter when, help me to slowly know you. <laughs> show me who you are. I really wanted to know him. After I changed my friend, I actually started to know him. And I, did, I, wasn't, I wasn't caught up with knowing the same revelations as the revelations knowing group at the same time. But I'm, I was caught up with knowing God in, and who He is in my own life at that present moment and what He wants to talk to me about at that moment. And not whatever the elite revelations knowing group has knowing. <laughs> 
Revelations knowing group. God is wanting to keep, wanting us to keep company with Him, for us to abide with Him, for us to be with Him. The second thing God wants to give an invitation to is an invitation to partner with Him. The second part of verse 4 in John 15, it says, As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. 1 Corinthians tells us that we are God's fellow workers. And in Ephesians, Paul emphasized that even more and said, For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. The word good here is not just like good. The word good here in the Greek is translated as pleasing to the Lord. So if you read it again, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for whatever that is pleasing to God the works that are pleasing to God, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Good, so good works here is not just categorized as charity or donation to the needy or time at the orphanage. No. It is doing whatever is pleasing to God. Colossians remind us that whatever we do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. All these passages, including Romans 12, 1, about offering ourselves as living sacrifices, these all tells us to live life as one that is lived through and for God. As a whole, our lives must be lived in and through and for God. There is no compartmentalization or there's no uh, fragmenting of our lives. The good works we are called to do is not just the big stage, big stuff, change the world things. The good works we are called to do are things that are pleasing to the Lord. Which means in your mundane daily routine, you are doing things that should be pleasing to the Lord. That's what we are called to do. In fact, it, I think it's more so that we are called to the everyday routine. It's not just the big lights thing or the big call of God upon your life. Thing. Those are important, but it's all those mundane things. Things like cleaning your rooms, being a good neighbor, being nice to the waiter, being, being upright in your businesses. These are the things... These are the good works that we are called to do. You see, God doesn't need us to do anything for Him, right? But we are given the privilege to partner Him because He wants us to, He wants to invite us to see the world as He does. You know, and often God is just on an adventure, leans over slightly to our ear and whispers, let's just do it together. That's the privilege that we have been given. That whatever adventure that He has, you know, dreamt of and whatever that was in His heart, He leans over to us. And he whispers, let's do it together. I prefer to do it together with you. That's the privilege that he has given us. So why does he want to partner us in good works? You see, good works, our works are our witness to the world. Our works are our witness to the world. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. First Peter, and verse two, uh, first Peter 2, 11 and 12 says, Beloved, I beg you, and then all the way down, having, uh, verse 12, having your conduct honourable among the Gentiles, which basically means the unsaved, that when they speak against you, they may by your good works, which they observe, glory God, glorify God in the day of your visitation. When, when people observe your life, will they find honour and integrity? The word integrity here means state of being whole and undivided. The state of being whole and undivided. Who you are is who you are wherever you are. Who you are is who you are, wherever you are. 
That is our witness to the world. That is our witness to our world. The good works that we do, whether it's in front of your pastor, in front of your boss, in front of your mother, nobody in the house, whatever that you do, are these things pleasing to God? And who you are is who you are, wherever you are. You know, one of the greatest compliments I received was when we were at Bethel. We were, a bunch of us went up and we were there, and we were in Bethel and then we went like some holidaying and sightseeing, spent three weeks, about three weeks together. And every time we drive up, to Bethel Church. And once we see like the baseball stadium, one of us would just pray for like the day and dedicate the day to God. And so when it was my turn to pray, and I start praying, then straight away, Timothy Sell uh, turned to me and said, wow, Christine, you pray uh, like you were service chair. And that, that is one of the greatest compliments I have. That how I pray here is how I would pray in a, in a car with just five, seven, six of us. How, we, how who you are is who you are, wherever you are. That is one of the greatest compliments. I don't even know what he remembers, but that is one of the greatest compliments. To have integrity, being in a state, in the state of being whole and undivided. In being in partnership with God, we may point people to Jesus and the Father will be glorified. You see, we don't have to churn out solutions or answers on our own. We don't have to figure out life by ourselves. Imagine a detached tree branch, right? We are called abide in him. We are the branches. Imagine a detached tree branch trying to figure out photosynthesis. 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 And the vine is like, what are you doing? I've got it covered. You know, like, like hello, be grafted back to me and then you, it will be natural. You don't have to photosynthesize. <laughs> you know? And, and that's, sometimes that's how we live life, that we have a vine and a tree of life that, it, that we can be grafted into with the source of all nutrients and resources, but yet we want to be detached and we photosynthesize, <laughs> you know? In every juncture of our life, God is inviting us to hear and to see His heart for the situation. Or we can be left to our own devices and come up with our own conclusions. Right, I've learned that interruptions, this is a good one, okay? This is a good one. This is something worth taking down. Interruptions and interventions are invitations to partner God for solutions. Interruptions and interventions are invitations to partner God for solutions. When we were looking for a house to buy uh, at, uh, in the year 2010, it was just before like, the whole inflation of the real estate market. And so we were looking for like a five-room flat to buy in Sengkang. I, I've, I had moved with my family from Amokyo to Sengkang. So we wanted to stay in Sengkang since my family is around. Uh, and with the grant, right? So we were looking for like a resale flat. So we went around looking and the funny thing was, Rudy was like, oh, five-room, I don't think we can afford it. Why don't we try uh, a four-room? So I told my agent, who is our, my friend, I was like, just find one four-room flat, the rest you find other five-room flat. Cause it, but he, but, yeah, so anyway, I told Rudy, Rudy, it's really very small, Sengkang, you know. Four-room flat uh, is like shoebox, you know. So, but he like, no, uh, I think let's just try. Maybe we can, it's only two of us. So the first, so I, so I told my agent, right? So the first house we go is a four-room flat in, in Pongo. He, Rudy stepped inside. Then he turned and looked at me. Okay, let's go and see five-room. <laughs> We never even say hi to the owner. We just said, the owner opened the door. And we just like, okay, let's go. <laughs> it's so small. So anyway, we were searching for a couple of months and uh, resale flat, okay? We were getting married in, in October. We, we were looking around like in March, April. 
So that's a bit tight already. So we were looking, and because our finances, we had no money. So we were looking for a house that is like fully renovated or don't need really much renovation. And so we, we found this house near Sengkang MRT. And, we, and it was a five room, but it was second floor, but the neighborhood was good. Uh, not much reno needed. So, so we told our agent, okay, let's close the deal and let's buy that, you know, and, uh, and on a Friday, we were supposed to go. So Friday, Friday evening, Friday night, we were supposed to go and just, you know, sign the, the contract and give like a deposit. Friday afternoon, lunchtime, I was at Parkway having my lunch and I was just going back to my office. Rudy called me and said, the house that we wanted is, is sold. And I was like, no. I was like, what? The, basically, the owner had two agents. And then the other agent found somebody who went to his house just 10 minutes before Rudy called me uh, to give the, the person like cash up front. And so the owner just signed with him. I was like, oh, and I was like, oh, my house. And I was like, what? This person no integrity. I want to go call case already. Is there a lawyer that we know? How can they do this kind of thing? Okay, okay, today we still go up. I was like, just rambling and rambling and rambling. You know, I was like, oh, my house. And in my, my heart, I was like, broken. My house. We're going to get married. How are we going to? I don't want to look for houses again. You know, and I was just like, how can he be like that? How can he be like that? There's no integrity. Why the person is like that? I want to import him to case already. Go I will go vandalize the house. <laughs> and, and then Rudy, in his usual comment, said, don't you think it's God's intervention if it's so sudden? the Holy Spirit ascend, ascended and descended upon me again. And then I was like, yeah. And then I said, okay, I'll call you later. And so I put down the phone. And, I, I just, and then I was just pacing I, like, and, like, aimlessly in Parkway. And I was like, God, so, so what are you saying? This is not our house. You don't want us to have a house? Like, we're going to be vagabonds? Like, what do you want? <laughs> like, what is it? And, and, and as I was just processing with God, right? Like, God, how can it be like that? Then what is it that you want? Like, if you intervene, you must have a bigger, better, nicer house. And then God brought my memory back to this house that we saw that was our second choice. This house was much bigger. It was a 5i, which is my current house now. But the thing about it was the owner didn't take care of the house. And so when, and the house originally had red marble. And they had this uh, fulu shou. It's this um, Chinese god thing. Three big uh, statues in the middle of the living room. It's about like the, the height of my waist. And the cornice is like, like never before. <laughs> So, like, the space was nice, but I couldn't see beyond the, the red marble floor, man. So that was like, okay, if we really need space, then we'll have this house. But my first choice is like the way, way in front. And just, God just brought that into remembrance. And so, you know, we, I told Rudy, okay, can we just go and see the second and the third choice again? So we went to the third choice first. And we were like, mm, not, not really good. Second one we went to, and for the first time, I was like, oh, the possibilities. Big space, square one. I, I just have to hack this, hack this, hack this, hack this, hack this and hack this. Then, okay, <laughs> a lot of hacking. Uh, but space would be perfect. And, and this is where we live now. And it's like the best. It's like we, my mom and my house, we have the same car park area. So, and you know, Sengkang everywhere is sheltered. And so I, can, I go to my mom's place for dinner every day. Uh, my mom comes over every time. And it's just like the best. Everything is just within reach, you know. And the next, and the next few years, everything just sprouted around us. And it was God's intervention. And so sometimes we have to learn to hear what God is saying. That His interruptions and some of the interventions that we experience in life 
are His invitation to partner with us for solutions. Amen? Amen. Because, you know, we always say that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask and think. So why settle for something and solutions that we can conjure up on our own when we can access the exceedingly abundantly above all? Amen? God is calling us to partner with Him. You know, He wants to partner us in the mundane to reflect His glory. And He's constantly creating opportunities to partner with, to partner with Him in the smallest of things and the most important of things. If you cannot say yes to God into the simplest stuff, you won't say yes to God in the most important stuff. I've always read the story of Abraham sacrificing or trying to sacrifice Isaac with like, astonishment for as long as I live. I'm like, why would a father do that? The trauma that boy has to go through. I always wonder what made Abraham immediately, like no questions asked, at least in the Bible, no questions asked. Why God? Why choose me? Why not the other patriarch? Why not somebody else? Why Isaac? I've always wondered why Abraham didn't, you know, at least react when God asked of him for his son. It can be a whole sermon on its own, but I realized that there must have been a series of small yeses that Abraham said to God before he arrived to this point where God said, I want your son. And in his spirit, his soul and his body, he, he couldn't help himself but say yes again. You know why? Because he had a history of saying yes. And because of this history of saying yes and seeing the faithfulness of God, saying yes, seeing the, the, the faithfulness of God, and saying yes and seeing the faithfulness of God, saying yes and seeing the faithfulness of God, when he came to this point, and even though what God is asking is so close to his heart, he had no choice. No choice not meaning he was coerced by God, but no choice because he was compelled to say yes again, because that has been his life. A life of yes to God. Yes to leaving his father and mother. Yes to leaving his land. Yes to going to this land that nobody heard of. And then when it came to the point where God said, I want your son. He couldn't help himself but say yes. Do you, and do you understand like all those people who do great things in life, they don't just reach there overnight. They have been saying yes in the secret place. Yes to God in the smallest of things. Yes to God in the most absurd of things before they reach to a place where God said, do you want Mozambique? Yes, God. Heidi Baker. Jason Chua. Daniel Chua. <laughs> After Heidi Baker, it's you. <laughs> a life in partnership with God is a sign and a wonder. It goes against the grain of everything that the, every worldly system, every, every uh, uh, society's expectation. But it's exactly what the world is looking for. A life that is in partnership with God. A sign and a wonder. Lastly, the invitation that God gives us is found in verse 5. And it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. He's calling us to be like him. Further down in John 15 verse 8, Jesus said by this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit again. If we spend much time with him, we begin to produce fruits of his nature. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, generosity, faithfulness, self-control. We begin to produce fruits of his nature. In Ephesians 4, we have this whole thing where we see, where we see uh, God giving people uh, assignments to be apostles, prophets, evangelists. And in verse 13, it says, 
till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children, tossed to and fro and carried with, about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head. It is time the body grows up to match the head. When we are born again, we begin this process called spiritual maturity. It's, it's similar to physical maturity, but there's a difference. The thing with physical, with the physical natural maturity is as you grow older, you, you, it's a natural thing that you, you grow, right? In size, in, in your understanding. It's a very natural thing. Your physical body will grow and mature naturally. But the thing with spiritual maturity is you get to choose how much you want to grow. That's the difference. You get to choose. It's not just you stand down there and you slowly sprout and become a mature Christian. You choose to grow up to be a spiritual, mature person. And like I said again, it's time the body of Christ matched the head of the church. It's a weird sight to have a mature head and a baby body. It's scary. Every living thing grows, and the lack of growth signals a deficiency, a defect, a deformity. There is a fullness in Christ that we are called into. We are called to have faith like a child, but not behave like a child. Hello? We are called to have faith like a child, but not behave like a child. I have this video, it's so cute. I told you I have like enough points to make this into like sermon series, right? But I found this old song that is so funny, you have to see, and it takes the word out, that takes the words out of my mouth. Adora, can you just play that, that video? Turn up the volume. It's hilarious. It's a super old song. So the video is three years old. <laughs> turn up, turn it up, yeah. Never can tell he might even be you He knelt at the altar and that was the end He saved and that's all that matters to him My spiritual tummy, it can't take too much One day a week he gets his spiritual lunch On Sunday he puts on his spiritual best And gives his language a spiritual rest He's just a friend. He's just a fat little baby He wants his bottle and it's only maybe He's ample solid through his once or twice But he says doctrine leaves him cold as ice He's been baptized, sanctified, redeemed by the blood But his daily devotions are stuck in the mud He knows the books of the Bible And John 3.16, he's got the biggest King James I've always wondered if he'll grow up someday He's mama's boy and he likes it that way If you happen to see him Tell him I said he'll never grow if he never gets sick He's just a bad little baby He wants his bottle and he told me maybe He's ample solid food once or twice But he says doctor leaves him cold as ice Okay, thank you of you know a fat, big baby Christian, don't point at your neighbors. Keep your sanctity, yeah. 
Our goal in, the, in Christianity is Christ-likeness, spiritual maturity, to grow from a, a baby Christian to a young man, one who overcomes, one who defeats the devil, into a father, one who knows him from the beginning. You know, and the goal of Christianity is to press on toward the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Philippians tells us uh, in, uh, in the message version, it we, I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us toward to Jesus. If you ask all the married couples here how they've met, right, uh, before they got married, everybody has different stories. Some are like me and Rudy, we didn't really like one another uh, before we, we became friends. Some met, at, it's like love at first sight. Some is like a whole long history of friendship together before they get married. Or some are like arranged marriages, <laughs> or like they were neighbours, or like just uh, they got to know one another later on in life at work or something else, or like in a group of friends. Every couple has a different story, you know, before they got married. And so it's the same with us. It doesn't matter how you got saved. The end goal is still spiritual maturity. The end goal is still Christ-likeness. It doesn't matter how you started with God, but the end goal is the same for all of us. We are called to spiritual maturity, to Christ-likeness. That I remember in the, I forgot which KI, but it was the KI in the year 2014. KI is Kingdom Invasion. The Kingdom Revision Conference, uh, and we were doing. We were the, our church was involved with the security, so we were like protecting the speakers, protecting the backstage ex, uh, passes and accesses. And at that time, uh, during Kingdom Invasion, during the the conference itself, uh, I was pregnant. I was like four weeks pregnant with Travis. Four weeks only. I just tested positive like on the first day of conference. So I was pregnant with Travis, but I was in charge of you know, security. So we, there was once where Bill, I remember Bill Johnson was speaking. So he was speaking and then he was praying. So all of us from the city, we were involved in security. We were all like standing just behind the stage where he would go in later to like the VIP place. Prayed for some people. He stood at the staircase there, down the stage and just prayed for people. And uh, then he just walked further up into the crowd, just in the front. And he was praying for And after that, he, he wanted to use the bathroom. And so he, he was just walking towards us, okay, and to go into the backstage. This lady from don't know where, all of a sudden from like the right side, she ran and then, I'm not kidding you, okay, it's like shrieking. Jesus! Then we were like, where, where? <laughs> all of us like, Jesus? Then it was like, wow, people having like, like apparitions of Jesus or something. You know? Then we were like, Jesus, Jesus. And she ran towards Bill Johnson. And then she's like, try and it's like, you know, sometimes things happen so fast, it became slow-mo in your mind. Like your mind slows it down when things happen very fast. And so we are the last defense to the backstage. The first defense is like a few meters before, like in front, where the guy so is all men, okay? But this lady, tall lady, was running and charging towards Bill Johnson while he's walking past that first. And she was about to pounce on him. And then all the guys are like... <laughs> because I think they don't want to... What do you do with a charging lady, you know? Like, how do you stop her? So, like, all the guys were just like... They were like... They, you know, in slow motion, they were like looking at one another and like... And then I realised I was the only girl in this section. I ran... And just as she was, just as Bill Johnson passed the first line of, of defense, and the woman was, Jesus! Want to touch Bill Johnson? I went there, I cut her, sit her down. So 
I ran from that last line of defense. I ran, I grabbed her and sit her down because I know if I just stand like that, it's, we will fall. I, I, in the back of my mind, I'm like, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant, I'm pregnant. And so I this and I pushed her down on the floor and then she's lying down on the floor. Jesus! Either she's mistaken because Bill Johnson looks like Jesus or... You know, she's seen something that all of us didn't see. But our goal is Christ-likeness. <laughs> First John 2 verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. In other words, if you say that you are in Christ Jesus, if you say you belong to him, you ought to live as he lived. We, we know of the, uh, of the story where, where Peter and... John were, were going around and they were healing the sick, right? They were healing this lame, this lame man that was lame from, from, his, from his birth. And then after that, they were in prison. It says that uh, they realized that they had been with Jesus. They perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men. They marveled. And then they realized that they have been with Jesus. Do people see that we have been Jesus? Do we remind them of Jesus when they are in contact with us? May we come to a place like Paul where he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. You know, and most of us today are here because of an invitation somebody gave us, whether it was uh, a friend or, or like a youth event or it was, you know, just something that you grew up with, but that we received an invitation. It might be an invite from a family, or, but you said yes to God at certain pivotal points in your life. And I was searching for a story to inspire you to be inspired to say yes to God. I was searching for a story and I searched for uh, like one hour, just reading stories after stories, trying to find the right one to close the service with, which is what I'm doing now. So can the band please come on stage? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so I was just, I was looking through Google, I was finding like some of my resources and I was just trying to find a story to inspire you to say yes to God. When I heard God say, why look? You know, why look? And he began to show me instances of when I said yes to him, like a slideshow. And these were instances where no one was watching, no one knew. It was not like an altar call and I came out to the front and it was prominent and people saw or like Sean Bokes calling me out and then prophesying over me and I said yes to God. It wasn't all these moments, but it was all the little moments um, of saying yes to God. Like for half an hour, I was sobbing and I was just reminded of all the little things that got me thus far. And God just reminded me of the yeses that I said, you know, when I said the salvation prayer on my own, when, at, the, at the void deck of my home. He reminded me of the yeses I said when nobody was watching. The, the yeses I said uh, when I was young, when, I just, when, when there was an impression that, oh, do you want to serve me the rest of your life? I said, yes, I didn't even know what that means. The only impression of serving God the rest of my life is to be a pastor. <laughs> that was the only thing that I knew. But I said yes. In difficult times, when in difficult times when I said yes to God, that nobody knew when it was when it was difficult. When when I experienced um, like betrayal from the people I love, and then the next Sunday, uh, I didn't find an excuse. I was supposed to lead worship every Sunday for the youth ministry. Every fiber of my being wanted to just quit ministry. But I heard God ask me, would you still worship me? I said yes. 
And so the very next Sunday, I stood up on that stage facing those people who betrayed me, who hurt me, and I closed my eyes and I worshipped God. I did it the week after and the week after. Three months passed. Six months passed. And every time I stand on stage to worship God, I didn't feel adequate at all to lead people to worship. But it was my yes to God telling Him, yes, I still believe in you. I believe in your goodness. I believe you are a good father. I believe that all these things, even in my difficult times, I, I said yes, I said yes, I will still worship you. This is, I don't want to be robbed of an opportunity to offer you a sacrifice of praise at this moment. It, it might be something I will never get to. Thank you. It might, it might be something I never get to experience again. And so it might be this one chance that I get to offer you sacrifice of praise even in the midst of my betrayal, even in the midst of my hurt. Even in the midst of like wanting to shut down from ministry and isolate myself. But I say yes to you. Saying, saying yes to God even in the quiet times where He rebuked me and He disciplined me and He, he, he humbled me. All these little yeses. I'm reminded of like what I mentioned. Jason saying a small yes before he went to Kansas City and he wouldn't have imagined at all what he's doing now. And it, that's not just the only thing he said yes I know him personally as a friend. He's, he didn't just say, oh yes, God, I want to build you a, a house of prayer. It's, it's more than that. The breaking that he had to go through, the things that he go through, Pastor Daniel saying yes to planting the city, you have no idea what, what he went through. You have no idea what we went through as pioneers to build the city. But we said Yes. And today I just want to open the altar for you to do two things. We always think that we are saying yes to God, to God's invitation. And that's what I'm trying to tell you today, to say yes, God, yes to God's invitation. But it's a two-way thing. The, the verse doesn't say, abide in me and then continue on. The verse says, abide in me and I in you. It's a two-way thing. It's a mutual thing. Not only does God wants us to receive His invitations to draw closer to Him, to partner with Him, and to be like Him, but he wants, he wants us to extend invitations to Him. You see, He's a gentleman. Are you ready to open up invitations to God, extend invitations to God for Him to access your life? Because He wants to make your world like His world. And it's not just you saying yes to God and it's a one-sided thing and he's narcissistic. And he just wants to do whatever he wants to do and you have to say yes. But he wants to say yes to you as well. Isaiah tells, gives us this, this great um, invitation where he says you know, to come and buy from him. Come and buy from him. Even the spiritually bankrupt. Why waste your money on, on food that, that will not satisfy? Why waste your wages on things that will not satisfy your soul? To come and drink of Him. Would you just stand with me? Today, would you just open your heart to God? To say yes to Him in, in whatever that he is, whenever you feel He's extending His invitation to you, whether it is to like what Joy has preached a couple of Sundays ago to just draw a little closer and every, every time you sense the drawing of God, you just back off because you're afraid of commitment or you're afraid what it might entail. 
and you're just afraid to, to just give all out and to, and to live a life fully given to Him. But today, He's extend, you feel that tugging again. He's, you feel that, that call and that hearkening from God again to just be closer, draw a little closer, just be with Him, keep company with Him, to just walk with Him. Or you might feel a tugging in your spirit that the Lord is just extending His invitation to partner you in whatever that you're doing, in your businesses, in the way you think, in your thought life, or to just partner you in the everyday that your life might be a light that will shine before men so that they may glorify God. That people will see Jesus in you. Would you just say yes to, to partnering with God even though you might not understand. We always pray for the peace that surpasses understanding. But before we have the peace, we need to get rid of our need for understanding. In order to get the peace that surpasses understanding, we need to be rid of the need to have understanding. And sometimes we just do not understand, God, why are you doing this? Why are your interventions and your interruptions in my life like that? Like, why? But is that, these are all invitations for God to just partner you for solutions, for godly wisdom to be upon you. Would you just acknowledge today that His thoughts and His ways are higher than yours and that you will choose to say yes to His partnership in your life? Oh, you, and will you choose to say yes to God? Would you choose to say yes to God, to be like Him, to grow up? To grow up that He might produce His fruit in you, even though it might be painful, even though it might be uncomfortable, but He wants to produce His likeness in you. He wants to produce His likeness in you and every part of your flesh will cry out in pain. Every part of your carnality will cry out in pain. But are you willing to say yes to God and say, God, work out your fruit in me that I might be like you. Work out your fruit in me. I say yes to you every juncture of my life. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, today you can say yes to a greater step forward. You can say yes to a higher plane. You can say yes to a greater awareness of the presence of God in your life and the reality of Jesus in your life. And so today I just want to open up the altar for you to just come and kneel or to present yourself before God. But I want you to remember then not only are you saying yes to God, but today I want you to extend an invitation to God and say, God, would you come into my life? I invite you to every compartment, every room of my life. There's no compartmentalization. Let me be whole and undivided that you will be the head of this household, that you will be the head of my life. Would you just come in? I extend this invitation to you. You are not intruding, but I give you open access to my life today.